Hey, this is your Aunties Could Never, a podcast where you get to hear from your favourite aunties who have all the real talk with our thoughts on what's going on in the world. We'll be reminiscing about what it was like black in our day, and most importantly, we'll be helping you sort out your daily dilemmas with advice only your coolest auntie will give. I'm Auntie AK, and I'm here with... Auntie Farah. Auntie Nana. Auntie Shade. Um, we're feeling fragile today. I don't know why. I think the weather's taken us down a notch, but we're here. We're going to bring you great news and joy with all our wonderful uh, we segments. Should, we should do a big breath in and out. <laughs> there we go. Okay, so guys, what have you heard? What have you heard? What have you heard? What's in the news today? So, my story this week is about cartoons. My favorite thing. I love adult cartoons. <laughs> cartoons marketed to adults. That's what I okay, mean. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and recently, I don't know if people have seen, but there has been like a revelation that a lot of the black characters in these popular cartoons have been voiced by white actors. So this actress called Jenny Slate, who plays like Missy in Big Mouth, is a white lady playing a mixed race child. And Kristen Bell playing a character in Central Park, I think it's called. Again, playing like a mixed race person there. And I think even in like The Simpsons and Family Guy, mm. a lot of the cartoon characters who are you know black or other ethnicities they um, are being paid by white people and we're seeing like a trend of these people saying you know what you know I was wrong for taking this role I know that I've basically you know taken a place away from like a person of color or black person so I'm stepping down so definitely Jenny and I think Kristen and I think Family Guy Guy um, are definitely stepping down. I think a couple of people in Simpsons as well. What do we think about this? Do we think this is too little, too late? You know what? I don't think it's too little, too late. When the thing hits you, it hits you. What has been annoying for me is this kind of congratulations that I felt like it should have just mm. been done. Didn't need to be an announcement. You didn't need to go on Twitter and really be like, you know, I've decided to do this. It just felt a bit performative, like just leave and let somebody else get the job. It doesn't have to come with this announcement that felt again, like you want a big pat on the back for being an ally, say, mm -hmm. I mean, even the word ally just, it's big, really beginning to annoy me. It's like, look, just do right. Just do the right flipping thing and move on. <laughs> and yeah, so, you know, great that it's happening and hopefully, Family Guy, um, Cleveland Brown. Yeah. Yes. That absolutely needs to be Windle. I can't remember what his surname Wendell is. Windle Pierce. That is, I thought it was him. I was so like, no way, it wasn't you already voicing it. Like, but he needs to get that job. But that's my opinion <laughs> on it. It's like, yeah, it's great. It's been done. Let's just start hiring some black folks to do the voices. I think it's a good thing. So everybody step down, move aside. Some people are saying, arguing that, you know what, if you're an actor, the whole thing is about acting and so you should be able to do anything and I think that's true to an extent but when you've got groups that are marginalized and don't get the same fair play in an industry then you have to step aside and hold your corner until because there are loads and loads of cartoons there are loads and loads of characters that are white and um, predominantly and funny colored like blue and green all that type of stuff there's so many other characters that you could voice so I don't even know where the logic is that you'd hire white actors to do black voices and there's so many black actors qualified actors that could do these things, black mm. and trace actors and Asian actors. So it's just a real arrogant thing to do. It's not even just especially in this climate, just across the board. 
why would you even think to hire a white actor or actress to voice a black character? Why did you even think that's okay? I, it's a weird thing to think and it's the it just reeks of arrogance and privilege that you wouldn't even consider that what you're doing is out of order. So yeah. I'm all for it. I, the announcements, um, I kind of like, well, yeah, announce it and make it known that you did something wrong and get challenged for it. It's a bit self-serving, but at the same time, I'd, I'd like, I'm glad I know. I feel a little bit, I'm not sure, because there's times when we're like, does it matter? When we want to do certain things, we're like, does it matter? But I get that in this case, it is because it is a black person that they're um, playing. Not like with Little Mermaid when everyone was like, but she's a cat, she's fictional. And, you know, do you, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because people yeah. were like, Little Mermaid, why is it being played by Chloe? Um, Little Mermaid's white. And we're like, it's a mermaid. It's not real. <laughs> so then I suppose we're like, Cleveland's not real. I don't know. Like, I think, it, I, I, I think it's great that this is happening. And because of the stereotypes and the way that people can be represented, it makes more sense if, it, if those type of characters are played by the people of color that they're representing. But um, yeah, I think I'm with you in a sense of, do we need to have a big banner with them coming out and saying, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> I've learnt my lesson because surely when they took the role, they knew it was a little bit dodged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're doing right. like, especially if they're doing like, um, you know, accents and stuff like that as well. You knew mm-hmm. it was a little bit dodged in it, yeah, or you yeah. know, representing themselves in a in a very stereotypical way. Like I said, you know, it's a little bit dodged. But yeah, I don't know. I can sense all the people that are going to come for us in other ways and saying, well, why are you paying this person and all this? You know, when we do Shakespeare and stuff like that. But that person wasn't white and. I don't know. It's just, I can just see the backlash of this. Because anytime we try to do anything, we get in the next somewhere else, don't we? So. I'm not 100% a fan of colorblind casting, especially when it pertains to theatre and stuff like that, because theatre is notorious for being whitewashed. And so a lot of the stories that make it to the West End stages are white narratives. And then if they are black, they're usually just rooted in colonialism and slavery narratives. It's not often you get an original, you know, modern, especially modern story on the West End stage when it comes to black stories. But with colorblind casting and then putting a black person in the role of a white character, sometimes then the, the, the actions of the character don't, don't tie up. So it doesn't really make sense. Actually, no, let me take that back. For theatre, I can kind of, I'm just going to spin it totally. For TV, I don't like so much colorblind casting. Because I think that when you place a black character into something that's supposed to be real, it then takes away um, from its authenticity when they don't do things that black people would do. That mm-hmm. take, for instance, The Crouches, there was a long, old, age-old series that came on BBC, I think, and it was criticized mm-hmm. because it was written by a white man who envisioned what a black family would do and the, the characters were doing so many things that a cultural black family wouldn't do, cultural Caribbean family wouldn't do, that it didn't, it didn't last long and it was very typical. And this was, I can't even remember, like 10, 15 years ago, that series. Mm. And that's what we're talking about today where we don't have ownership of our stories. So with people writing our narratives and colorblind casting without really thinking about the black character in that moment, the black actor in that moment, doesn't work. But on stage, I must say, I saw Chiwetel Ejiofor in Everyman at the National Theatre and actually theatre, because it's got a bit more make-believe and fantasy, and you have to stretch your imagination to believe the sets and stuff, especially in minimal situations, it's a bit more easier to believe a non-white, I mean, a non-white character playing a white, a typically or historically white character, because stage needs an element of make-believe. So there's that. But also, again, again, the lack of stories, us being forced into telling um, white stories all the time, then becomes like, uh, why can't we just tell our own stories? 
so yeah i'm i'm yeah i think i've gone a tangent probably but yeah that's my point anyway i i think it's a valid point i really think there needs to be um a balance in it you need a bit of both like i think you really do need some colorblind casting and you also need to be um empowering writers to write narratives that are through a black lens so it's like you kind of need both of them going on and then you'll get to a balance point because visually people will be working properly and it'll be seen and then it w- we can really get a, a real working relationship going and people understand black stories and can place black people in various settings other than in a ghetto or historically showing a, a slave narrative but i do think affirmative action i do think that there is a place for that still now as well like aggressively pushing black people's faces in people's faces i think that's also quite important to just normalize us humanize our experience people actually need to see it because they've got so used to not seeing us or in a cast of 10 you may get one black person and they think that's okay like literally one black one gay one asian one chinese like that that's not okay because it shouldn't be your life experience that that's how it is and it is a part of lots of people's lives experience because of colonialism literally you have to own that the reason why we are in this melting pot is because you went around the world conquering places and partially then started to use our bodies to build up your country so within that there has to then be like well because of this because we have taken so much from your lands and still take so much from your lands you have to be represented and we need to see your humanity i just think it's to me it's one plus one like this is how it has to go and until you're able to stomach your past and really process this is part of the course to your redemption as well you have to do you know there has to be equity. You have to see black faces and pay them properly. I'm answering the question too little, too late. Yes, I think it is too little, too late because people in that industry, especially voiceover work, it's a very hard industry to get into in the first place. You know, the, the opportunities are few and far between and you know the race of the person that you're playing. Do you know what I mean? So you know, you should know that you're, you're taking a role away from someone of colour. Like, you should know that. It's like you said, it's not like you're playing a bear or a fish or, <laughs> do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. You're playing representations of people that, do you know what I mean? So, but I did consider the reverse of it. But I do think because we're so underrepresented, those roles should be for us at the very least. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like we yeah. should get first dibs on that yeah, because basically. we're so underrepresented in that sense. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just think like, it's not that hard to adapt. We have the office here. They adapted it for America. Do you know what I mean? So you're telling me you can't adapt a script for someone of colour to make it work. Do you know what I mean? And tweak it. It's possible. And then also, why I just don't think they should necessarily get praises because there's so many times when things have just been ignored. Like, I think it was like Prince of Egypt or something, yeah. that film, where they just like didn't have any black people <laughs> in any of the roles at all, almost at all. Scarlett Johansson, when she played um, the Asian, um, I can't remember the name of the film. But yeah, there was uproar. But did it stop her from playing the role? No. No. Did the film stop coming out? No. No. Do you know what I mean? Like people were there just to make their money. And that's what this comes down to. They wanted a paycheck and they took it. 
do you know what I mean? So now it's like we're in this season, I guess, kind of thing where people are just like, oh, you know, I might get attacked or I- I'm going to have to deal with some shame here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So let me like do this noble thing. And it's just like, you could have done that noble thing six yeah. months ago, to be honest. Do you know what I mean? Not in this climate. And then maybe it would have taken me a little bit more seriously. It's just arrogance. Like we can do it. Why not? I didn't. I don't think I finished what I was saying about every man at <laughs> Chiwetel. His character was historically um, a white character, and they also did colorblind casting with um, the people who played his parents. Or what, it was a, a black mother. I can't remember the actress. Sorry, and a black and a white man played his dad. So it was just the whole cast was just remixed. But you kind of fell into it. And I think, as I was saying, theatre gives you that room for escapism. But um, yeah, there's loads of actors like Tilda Swinton, all those type of stuff who've taken ethnic roles and been unapologetic. I think even Tilda Swinton for her role in Doctor Strange when she plays the, what's her name? Not the promised one. Oh um, yeah, the, yes. Yeah. yeah, I know you're talking about. Sorry, yeah, she was, she was, yeah. she was supposed to be Asian, yeah, it's true. Yeah, and that character's historically, historically Asian and mm. um, she's unapologetic about it and she, well, she's the one taking the role. And I feel that was super arrogant and I don't see why you need to do that. And yes, there is an element mm. of acting is acting, but when until the playing field becomes leveled and until our stories, exactly, those stories are historically meant to have brown people um, leading them and then they're just whitewashed and people are putting in a bit of tan. You can't say that. You can't be confident in that. It's just just as rude arrogance and privilege. I just want to d- refer, um, Caroline has a really good question. Like, do we think that the world is ready for a black James Bond? Can I just say, I don't Ooh. want a black James Bond because Ooh, I think because it's shoving us into that narrative. This is my thing about colorblind casting. I'm okay with historically white characters being white. It's fine. What is the problem in, in the industry is having enough room for other people's stories. Like having Luther if, or Shaft, we can just build up better stories. We have historically black famous detectives. We've got all those type of things. We don't need to shove ourselves into something historic. I don't mind that. I think it's a bit tokenistic to say we need a black one. We don't need a black one. If they did a black one, fine, but not because we want a black James Bond. I don't want a fucking, sorry, I don't want a black James Bond. I don't care about a black James Bond. What I would rather see is a, our own super spy doing our own things. It's, it can be, you can be doing exactly the same thing as James Bond if you like, but just doing our own things without it being like, we're sh- but then it gives Hollywood an excuse to not then take on a black story. That's a, you know, another, an original spy story. Yeah. And then we'd like, yeah, let's go and do that. And I, I, yeah, I, I don't want, anyway, personally, I don't want a black James Bond. I don't care for one. I, I think you can do both. I'm a big James Bond fan. I was brought up on that. So if he's on a black one, I've watched that. Definitely. I don't think it should be Idris though. I'm not, I'm not here for that. But um, I think it would be cool. And I think it kind of brings it up to, especially like when I watched the last James Bond, it had scenes in areas that, I live next to, do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Like, that's, that's my city. That's where I'm from. Do you know what I mean? It's not so hard to think that that person could be black. It's a possibility. It's, do you know what I mean? So I think in that sense, having that realisation, that's not a big thing to me. I think, yeah, cool, why not? But, and bond changes, do you know what I mean? So I'm not against it. I'm actually not against it at all. But I think, yes, of course, like, it's not about a single story. Tell all the stories, of course. You know what I mean? But yeah, if there's a black James Bond, yeah, cool, man. Do it. I don't care. <laughs> I, I, I grew up on James Bond as well. I don't care. If he's black, he's black. If he's white, he's white. As long as they are casting him because he is mm. the best. That's it. That, I don't care. It can't be Edris, like I said many weeks ago, because <laughs> he's just not the one. I do think that there are other stories that could be told. 
So yeah, I, I, I literally couldn't care. Just to clarify, I don't mind, but I don't want it. I just personally don't want it to be on the back of like we're begging that space. Exactly. If they just did it naturally, and it was, there was a moment with because Ashana Lynch is going to be of the spy crew in the new one. And then for a moment, everyone thought it was going to be her as a new James Bond, but it's not. She's just one of the spies and she was doing her job. Or she's another number or whatever. And even asking for a woman James Bond, a female James Bond, I don't mind if it's just a natural evolution as to what... Like Doctor Who? And, and that's mm. another thing. This clamouring for, we need a black Doctor Who, I don't give a damn. Let the Doctor be the Doctor. If he does evolve into a woman, I think it's going to be Joe Martin, apparently, who'll be the next Doctor. She's a black woman. Fine. But not because this diversity tick box thing. That's the part that irritates me. Then they feel like, well, we've done our job now. Like, piss off. Get us an original story. Because I'm sure there's a million and one writers and filmmakers out there who've got their own version of a spy story or a super yeah. suit, whatever, who's of colour. And then Definitely. they're saying, no, sorry, we can't put that story to Hollywood. We can't bring it and, to life. But imagine if James Bond was supposed to be black. Let's think about where he wrote it, Ian Fleming. He wrote it in Jamaica, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. What if he was supposed he to be and they exactly. said no. Well, they say that about um, X Men. X Men is basically based on Civil War, not Civil War. Sorry, Civil Rights yeah. movement. Oh, yes. really? Oh, I, I think a lot that. of a lot of original characters have been whitewashed, yeah. like, and it just mm-hmm. the narratives that for some reason they feel like white audience, white audiences cannot take black stories because they're so. And they're right though, because look at when Little Mermaid got cast. It's different. Don't mean they're right like they can't take it, but there are a select amount of people that will just get their picket. Mm-hmm. They're loud. Yeah. 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 Uh, they're very loud. But that's not our story. Yeah. I'm saying that, the, that Hollywood believes that we can't have our own stories. Oh, like, no, we can yeah. definitely have our yeah, own stories. Saying. So oh, it's, for sure. That's the narrative that Hollywood keeps pushing, that black stories won't translate. They to won't sell. Right, so in the news this week was OK Magazine, the owner, being outed for being a sexual predator, deviant. He's assaulted some people. There's quite a few women that came together and um, expose their stories about him. And then at the same time, another set of women came out talking about the toxic environment that Essence magazine has and how lots of black women have been ousted out over this new management. So my question to you guys is, we can discuss what's been exposed, but also do you think that at this moment where we have this shift and people are really conscious to racism that we should now be exposing black media or focus on white media being exposed? I think Mm. we're in a state of evolution and rebirth and everybody needs to be held accountable because there's this thin line where black people always feel like we've got to perform for white folks, be be, be better in front of the white folks and don't air our dirty laundry. We we don't like calling each other out in public because we feel like we've already got a bad enough reputation to the rest of the world that outing our personal stories and our nasty stories then makes us look even worse. However, if we level the playing field, humans are bad across the board. Where, whatever culture you're from, you've got bad elements and all of it. But I think in this time, especially when everyone's having a little bit of a purge, then we need to get the bad people out of our communities as well or out them and make them do better because we can't deny there are people in our communities that do real shitty shit to us. And if you are immersed in a black world and black culture, they actually do worse to you than the wider white supremacist racist society does to us in the first place. So yeah, I, I'm not, mm. I'm not averse to these things happening. And what can we do? There's no, we don't have a Wakanda. We don't have a shield where we can sort shit out behind closed doors. There's no other way to do it. And I, I'm loathe that a lot of black people and speaking from a black woman's perspective, we don't speak out 
because we have we carry the weight of the culture responsibility on our shoulders because we're so scared to especially when it's against black men we we have that extra level of fear because we're going to be seen as um black man hater and all that type of mm. stuff call them out it's time yeah i agree i couldn't agree more call them out how are we ever going to expect to be taken we can't ask for all these things that we're currently asking for if within our own community we're willing to accept nonsense these people are enablers of the nonsense because they're you know they're benefiting from still hurting their own race so i think they need to be called out otherwise we'd have people like r kelly and bill cosby roaming the streets still <laughs> they need to be called out 100 percent. i can see why it can be difficult um as auntie ak was saying but i honestly do believe and i you know i live by this you go where you're celebrated not tolerated and that means that sometimes means within your own community as well you know like it's just not on, like, why suffer? You spend most of your time at work. It can't just be separation every day. <laughs> and HR is like, best friends, man, seriously. Get those people out. They don't, you don't have to work in those environments. You don't have to build businesses like that. It's not necessary. It just isn't. It doesn't have to be the norm. So yeah. if you can, just, yeah, move out and go somewhere else. I'm actually like really loving this moment of everybody purging and talking about mm. the shit that's been unspoken about within all industries like actually that predator in an office as a black female like you'd have to generally most media companies are run especially when it's black owned there's a black man there and mm. that whole kind of sexual mm. favor exchange that mm-hmm. all of us know goes on that people are actually being like this man would only let me have this job if I did this for him. And especially yeah. the, the OK Media Group and that so many women had complained through the chain, but obviously he's the CEO, so it doesn't go anywhere. And that being allowed to take place for years. And I think it was um, Jadena actually like putting on his page that I will no longer work with these guys. I will not work with OK Africa again. And I believe all the women. I think that's really important. I would love way more artists that would use leverage media to get their stories out, actually denouncing and being like, I want to know what your practices are. I want to know that all of your workers are happy working for you, that there's no skeletons in the closet. Kind of being a bit more like Beyonce, when you're going to work with a media outlet, you're like, this is my team that's coming along and they're a black team that would be yeah, good I, to see yeah i think so it, but it, i guess for us from black communities especially with the steeped in tradition and culture it's a lot of shift has got to happen because we are very we do come from a quite sexist patriarchal directive um i guess for our back home cultures and stuff like that and it's difficult and i understand why the women found it hard to speak out and it's this old boys club that we have. We can't deny that we have this old boys club. And I know I have been in many a debate with black men present who will argue that they don't have the power because of white supremacy, but yet they deny, they kind of overlook the fact that within our communities, black man is at the top of the table. We, we really hold on to this thing of the black man as the king, leading the family and all that type of stuff. So we, it's very difficult to hold black men accountable for their behavior because of this real brainwash that if we say speak against them and because of the issues they have with white supremacy and white men and that image we're then destroying the community if we speak out but also then saying that we have essence magazine that's mostly uplifting black women exactly. and they're doing some stuff to us as well so what where do we stand on that 
I'm hopeful though. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just seeing more black businesses, even like yourself, you know, I'm PAK, you've got your own platform. It's female run, black owned. I'm sure, you know, you're not <laughs> creating a culture of oppression. Some might say. But there's more and more, you know, these um, types of publications and types of platforms popping up. Do you know what I mean? You don't have to go to these traditional kind of like structures of media companies anymore like you just don't have to you know the internet is your friend and you can build something where you don't have to deal with that kind of stuff anymore I am very hopeful with regards to essence I didn't really catch like what or what's happening there do you have the call out Nana do you want me to read it or do you yeah you go you read it your reading voice is very clear and lovely oh bless you don't guess me. Don't, don't guess, guess her. Me. She doesn't need it. <laughs> don't hate. Don't hate. Don't hate. Hold on. Oh, look. look at me now. I don't even have it right to hand. Uh, you got can sing in between. Oh, I, I will. Go on then. Oh. <laughs> okay. Ready. Ready. Sorry. Oh, out of order. <laughs> you see, that's because you guessed her. <laughs> um, so, uh, so this is what's happened. This was announced on, in Medium. This Medium magazine reported this. For past and present black female talent once lucky enough to walk its prestigious halls, Essence is the most deceptive black media company in America. Why? Essence aggressively monetizes black girl magic, but the company does not internally practice black girl magic. The company's long-standing pattern of gross mistreatment and abuse of its black female employees is the biggest open secret in the media business. New owner and CEO now, I'll try and say this properly, Richello Dennis, Michelle Ebanks, Joy Collins Prophet and Moana Lou collectively immortalize an extremely unhealthy work culture. Scores of talented black women have been either wrongfully laid off or forced to resign from the company in the past two years. Essence's C-suite leadership team strategically tells the market it serves black women deeply under the safe steel of 100% black ownership. But for the black women who make up over 80% of the company's workforce, they are systematically suppressed by pay, inequity, sexual harassment, corporate bullying, intimidation, colorism, and classism. Now that has been reported in Media Magazine. I'm trying to find the original source. It's We Are Black Female Anonymous. So we present ourselves under the condition of anonymity, anonymity, sorry, from fear of retaliation, intimidation, and the maligning of our media careers. We demand the immediate resignation of Essence Ventures owner and chief executive officer, the guys I mentioned before. And we are calling for AT&T, Coca-Cola, Chase Bank, Ford, McDonald's, Procter & Gamble, Walmart and Moral Media to immediately eliminate all active or future sponsorships and media buys at Essence Ventures. Um, sign the petition. So, yeah. Jeez. That's intense. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a lot. I mean, I mean like, obviously, if, if they're doing what these people are saying they're doing, then just scrap the whole thing. Get rid of them. Yes. Yeah. Burn it down. I, I, I believe Not them. burn it down, but... <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, metaphorically, burn yeah. it down. Um, I, I believe kind of thing, them. and build something else or build it up again but build it up better like definitely mm-hmm. having healthy work cultures is you know it's absolutely key I'm talking from a perspective like I have a black team it's all female as well I would say even tirelessly like my number one goal is to make sure that they have a great experience at work that's literally all I think about do you know what I mean? that kind of thing because it is so hard for us it's just so hard and I don't want them to suffer even a, a tenth of what I've suffered. So like, I just think it's our duty 
that if we're in positions of power that we make it experience easier for the next person so they make it easier for the yeah. next person and like i just just don't buy into this myth that we can't get along and we can't work with each other it's nonsense because i've been working with black people most of my career and we're fine. <laughs> we're fine. Obviously, you get people, but you get that in every, everywhere. Do you know what I mean? You get one or two like bad eggs and stuff, but you get that everywhere. And I just, I feel quite strongly that people need to, especially if you're in a black organization, you need to do a damn better job of making sure people yep. are, are doing well because we're oppressed anyway. And yep. you're aware of the oppression. And if you're doing it, that then you're just an overseer. And that's the worst thing you could be is Uncle Ruckus, man. Yeah. That's the worst thing you could ever be, man. So I don't have any respect for that at all. Sorry, I was trying to find out if Essence have come back. I found something quickly. I think in the statement provided to the rap, I don't know if this is true, this is a quick twit on Twitter search to the rap and attributed to Essence Communications Incorporated. It read, candidly, the last 24 hours have been heartbreaking. At Essence, we uplift the voices of, provide platforms for <clears throat> and generate opportunities that elevate black women in communities and have done for f so for 50 years. It is the work we have committed ourselves to every single day since we were founded in 1970. And that has been accelerated over our past two years as a 100% black family owned company. Um, sorry. I mean, and then apparently uh, someone on Twitter has said that uh, the, the CEO has hired his missus as... <laughs> Essence Magazine's HR manager, so you can't even take. Oh, it HR. come on! You can't even go to HR. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you know. know. Can I just also add as well? I know that's difficult. I do like my one of my businesses is our family run as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. I understand that. <laughs> like, it can be complicated at times, um, but you do have to create legacy as well. So, uh, you know, I'm not get totally that, that. against that um, kind of thing. But also as well, I just want to say that. If you are in these positions and you, you do have the the blessing of being part of one of these platforms, then you, you have to know it's a responsibility. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it's not just something you can take willy-nilly at all because your representation just it just affects so many of us, right? We're in the UK and we're discussing essence that is an American magazine. Like mm -hmm. look at that, just even that impact, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like really and truly, that should be nothing to do with us, really. But it really does, and it just resonates. So I just think that if you're serving the community, make sure you are serving the community yeah. and not just yourself. It's really, really important. I find so many people that trade off our culture, make money off our culture, and they just doing the same rapage that yeah. our oppressors are doing. Yeah, I feel quite passionate about this. Like it, it breaks me, man. I, uh, I really don't like it at all. I'm really glad that they have been exposed. I believe these women because I think that it really does take quite a lot for us to come out and speak out especially mm -hmm. against institutions because you know that you're going to get like a, a huge backlash from even talking about it but it's good that it's spoken about because we think it's always outside of ourselves that these things are taking place but a lot of the structure is actually upheld by your proximity it's like it's your community yeah because we are all indoctrinated into this system so it's really like everybody has to be doubling down on what am i doing that is upholding racism how am i treating my staff that is also upholding that as well and mm -hmm. i'd be more surprised if lots of staff was coming out that there wasn't issues within essence mm -hmm. because it is a huge institution 
you're getting corporate dollars. You're going to be upholding lots of stereotypical beauty standards that don't serve us as a community. As much as you want to diversify, still lots of companies that are sponsoring you are also trading off of black people and selling relaxers and things that don't celebrate our beauty that is forcing us to change and conform like so these times everybody needs to go through the purge everybody needs to be looking at themselves and that's also individually doing the work like how can I rid myself of these structures that I've been upholding what can I do to change so it's good that the the, that everybody's just airing out their dirty laundry at this moment like I hope they change because I do love Essence Festival a brilliant time in New Orleans and yeah. I don't want to have to boycott them so please Essence sort it out please please I was going to mention Essence Festival too I really would like to go again because I had a yeah. great time we had a great time <laughs> fantastic time um I was going to talk about hang on I just need to get it up get it up yeah whatever love <laughs> <laughs> right so in Fryant Park in Wembley in the Wembley Brent area a few yeah. weeks ago, there was a very tragic, tragic, awful murder of two sisters. Nicole Smallman, who was 27, and her sister, Bieber Henry, who was 46, were found stabbed to death in Fryant um, mm. County Park. Now, this is an absolutely awful, awful um, occurrence and tragedy for the family and everything. They've been celebrating one of their birthdays, and then this happened afterwards. But to make this horrendous thing worse, there were two police officers that were taking selfies with the bodies and they sent it out amongst a group of people, uh, public and people in the police, and they have subsequently been um, arrested for this. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because even in times of tragedy like this, these sort of things happen. And, And it's to the point now as well where we feel like People wonder why we have such distrust of the police. People wonder why when these things pop up, like when the kids are doing their, their little, you know, street parties and stuff like that, why things happen to them. Yeah. It, there's such a big picture why we as a community have such a distrust of, of police. What do you guys think about all of this? I, yeah. I had not heard about this at all. Yeah. So I heard about the, the murder, but I did not hear about the selfies. And yeah, that just took me back to, I think it was like the first Gulf War where it went on through wars and, and there was lots of pictures of the soldiers amongst mm. bodies and literally like doing stuff to the bodies. And I don't know what type of humans these are that just do, the, it's just disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, oh mate that that is something else so at least they've been arrested i'm I'm also a bit like thank you some humanity is seeping through because i was expecting you to say oh they've been sacked because that seems to just be the standard like oh you lost your job so i'm glad that they hopefully will be prosecuted and will so go to prison there is a criminal inquiry underway and um, the met police have come and come forward and said I guess the silver lining in this, or whatever you can call it, is that they've been exposed, and we can we can see that. But do you it's trust really... for anything to happen? That's that's the other you... thing. Well, not really. Yeah. No. But I think it's just you know, like it just gives an indication that there's people in their circle who are not happy with this. Do you know yes. what I mean? And these yeah. things can only be solved within their own community. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, so I think if they're turning on each other that's a good sign and that's all that's all you can really hope for for reform like 
there's nothing like I, you know, I, you know, you guys know what I think. Like with racism, we can't solve that. We can't. They have to solve it themselves. That in itself is something that's been done historically. Lynching, way we treat black bodies and lynches and all that mm. kind of stuff, especially women and stuff like that kind of thing. It's vile. It's it's really scum of the earth behavior. Like I just it's, can't. It's psychotic. It is psychotic. Yeah, I I agree with that. Like you just need to pray it doesn't happen to you, really, yeah, and your yeah, family. Yeah. I guess you know. I think I saw their mum on the news, and she absolutely referenced that Auntie Shade. She said, you know, you had historically people taking pictures of hanging bodies yeah. in the south, and this is what this is continuing that it's just nasty dirty behavior and i think it is now time for this whole blue thin blue line or whatever it's called the code of the blue conduct or whatever it is that they've got that if you speak out against your brothers in blue then you get ostracized and all that's that all that needs to go there needs to be some sort of culture where actually we hold ourselves as police you know enforcers of the law accountable and we don't have this kind of wall of silence and brothers in arms and sisters in arms because against the public because you have to be able to call them out you, it's a horrible thing that to be at work and knowing that you're a decent police person and because of the reputation of all of and knowing that there are people around you that are just racist sexist drug dealers in themselves and just doing nastiness and then you can't say anything because you feel like you might then you'll get ostracized or you'll get blackballed within within your um, own work environment there has to be some sort of change effective punishment and it is like from America to here, effective punishment. And people always say, yeah, but well, you don't talk about the crime in your own communities, blah, 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 blah. Yes, whatever we do anyway. But that yeah. aside, you guys, I think anyone who puts themselves in a position of, you know, advising the people, whether you're a priest, a lawyer, a doctor, you step into those roles as a, as a police person. You are saying that you're actually here to make our lives better by, I don't know what the word is, legally or whatever it is. You're supposed to uphold our lives to the better. So you're supposed to be held up to a higher pedestal than ourselves, unfortunately. That's what it is. You take step into that role. You're supposed to be on a higher pedestal. It's not like putting a celebrity on a higher pedestal. You have actually, you're in a role that means you are upholding the law or you're here. Our lives are in your hands some way, shape or form. So you have to be held accountable. You have to be better than us. And that's it. And if you don't think you can do it, step out of that role and then go and be somewhere that you don't have to be held so accountable. That doesn't mean to say you, do, you act like a shit just because you don't, you're not in that role. But if you're not in those positions, then at least you're less likely to be in the line of fire. You can't be in those roles and be, act like you're everybody else. You're not. I second what you're saying. In this. It goes back to similarly what we were just talking about with Essence. It's very important that people within these communities, within these structures, expose the people that are like this. Otherwise, we're never, ever going to have change. Because as you said, there are some great police officers who are out there and who are serving the community properly. But unfortunately, there are these very, very bad, nasty, disturbed seeds. It's interesting, though, because it says that they're investigating it and they will decide whether or not criminal charges or... <laughs> what is it? I'm going to read it. It's like criminal charges or disciplinary offences. So again, it goes back to let's wait, let's watch this space and see what actually happens. Horribly for me, the problem is as well, the family have got to deal with the tragedy of what's happened to their families, like their loved yeah. ones. And then this is just distracting from it. Right now it should be like media outpouring of let's hunt for the, the person that did this. Let's find these people. And instead, all the newspaper things that I've seen are focusing on 
this disgusting act that was done by these two police officers. So Queen Beyonce, so it's been announced that Beyonce's new visual album, Black is King, will be coming to Disney Plus on July the 31st. And it's inspired by The Lion King. Obviously she voiced Nala on The Lion King and she did an album around that anyway. So now the visual version is dropping. The album features people like Childish Gambino, Kendrick Lamar, but more importantly, especially because it's got the African vibe and theme, got people like um, Wizkid, Chatawale, Burna Boy, Mr. Easy, Tiwa Savage, Tenko, Yemi Alade, and Bosiswa Bus- and Salatio. So, this, like, you know, mm-hmm. fans of Beyonce, extremely excited. She dropped a track already and it's banging, and so everyone's excited for this visual album. However, a model has said, a model called Dis- Dimso, Beyonce including African culture in her music, but never adding Africa to her tours. Same Beyonce making a whole movie based off Africa and its culture not, that's not available in Africa. I want to add that I'm not saying she has come to Nigeria or whatnot. I'm saying she's contributed to the problematic ideologies of how Africa is, in, is viewed to line her own pockets. And Africa isn't even a country, so she's mostly taken from Yoruba culture. So if you're going to speak on something, come correct. Africa, Africa is not some prop. You can't come and pull from our culture when it's, from when it's convenient. That's appropriation. And not every time we were kings. Please, some of us were palm wine tappers. We don't wake up in the morning and tie our wrap and put chalk on our face and scream Wakanda and go and hunt lions. We wake up and open Twitter like the rest of the world. Please stop pushing this old narrative. And one more thing, nobody is disputing that she has done a lot of good, but she's a human being and she's not above mistake, therefore not above critique. She has so tapped into that African queen mother thing that you think people think, that you people think everything she does is right. This is not true. And then she goes on to say more things. So on the back of that, what I wanted to look into was, was whether or not she had toured, because the, the model's point was that she, hadn't, she hasn't toured Africa. And so I found an article in Quartz Africa written in 2018 and saying that Jay-Z and Beyonce announced they're on the run tour in March. They drew inspiration from the classic Senegalese film of the two young, young lovers on the room, Tuki Buki, mm-hmm. which has been out there. Um, however, the Carters have never honoured African fans with a live performance. I think she had, they have, I'm sure they've performed in South Africa, but they haven't they done haven't. a tour of Africa. Mm-hmm. So... Performing in Africa shouldn't be mistaken as a charity gig. The last time Beyonce performed in South Africa was part of a charity concert for late former President Nelson Mandela in 2004, back when she was still a member of Destiny's Child. And just months after releasing her 2003 debut and Dangerously in Love, um, that's when she was in, back in South Africa. And Jay-Z toured South Africa in 2006 with Rihanna as his opener. So um, there's a lot of stuff in that. How do you guys feel? How do you respond to what's this woman, woman is saying and other it's not just her other people have said it i mean as i said in my rant it doesn't matter <laughs> what beyonce does somebody and plenty of them are going mm. to come for her really mm. i just think if she wasn't celebrating africa in in any way people would still say something yeah now mm-hmm. that she is people are still saying something. It's really, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of those artists that she's highlighted now. So that's going to be two albums. They are going out to a wider community. Why can't that just be like a bonus for her? Like, because there are so many artists who every album they do, they use the same people to collaborate with and that's their careers until they decide to retire. It's like, when is this woman going to even get a, you know what you're great or just shut up and leave her alone like yeah I, I don't get why there always has to be do this do it better do it yourself like literally like she's just doing her career she is just working 
trying to put out her art that she wants to put out. If you don't like it, look at another artist. There's flipping millions of them. Like really, we haven't even seen the visual album to critique it. All we have is a minute sample. We don't even know all of the things that's, I, I, I didn't even correlate it to the Lion King myself. Mm. From the small visuals I saw, I was seeing lots of mythology, lots of color schemes, lots of metaphysical stuff. It's like, let's just see it and appreciate this is a piece of art that she's putting out and move on from there. She's collaborating with artists. And the thing is, can we actually all just agree that she is also an African? She is an African in the diaspora. Thank you. She can draw on what the hell she wants to, the same as somebody that was born in the continent. I wasn't born in the continent, so can I not draw on Africa? Like, it's like, but I'm African. Genetically, I may have the Eve gene. Like, literally, like, so can we just give melanated people grace to explore their identity and hold them up as a sister? Can we just really champion sisterhood? Can we really just be like, you know what, she is to be celebrated for her talents. And if you have any critiques, get in touch with her team and be like, next project, I want to be a consultant on it because I think this would work. And da, da, da. Like, it's, uh, it just pisses me off that people love to tear this woman down. All she's doing is putting her art out there. Do the same. And hopefully you won't experience the shit that she's had to experience. Totally, 100% agree with what you're saying, Antonella. I'll just say, just to add to that, I think Beyonce is just such an easy target now. It's just lazy, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just lazy. If you want to get a bit of notoriety, say something bad about Beyonce in it, and then you'll get loads of likes and, and, and retweets and stuff. Do you know what I mean? I think it's super easy. In regards to her, like, you know, using the whole um, royalty aspect, she was doing that before. Do you know what I mean? She, when she was doing Mrs. Um, Carter tour, all of her promo was about European royalty and she had like the whole costume and everything like that. She's been exploring that theme for ages. Do you know what I mean? This is not new. She's a queen in her right. If she wants to present as that, that's okay. Like, why would you want to be less than? She's using visuals that resonate with people. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, I just think that people just love to hate Beyonce, man. They just love to hate her. And it's just drain. I find it kind of draining, man. Because it's like, it's true. She's just, she's actually trying. And no, she's not above mistake. Nobody is. But she's trying, you know? And she's been trying. And she's not one of these women that's falling out of clubs, being messy. Her kids aren't messy. Please. (laughs) Give her her a fucking break. Seriously. Because she's out here trying and she's kind of on her own. You know, no one can really touch her. um, And no one's been able to touch her in her league for a little while now. So people just need to relax, man. Seriously, how dare you, really? (laughs) That's that's how I'm starting to feel like. How freaking dare you? Do your own thing. Or not even that. It's just like, you just don't have to comment in such a negative way all the time. That's the thing. It's just like, look for the good in terms of what she's doing. She's traced her roots, yeah. And the why she has so much Nigerian influence is because that's her, from her dad, that's her bloodline. Do you know what I mean? So of course she's going to bring that in and you should be praising her for doing, doing so. And because exactly. she's got such a mass appeal, 
that's going to get to much more people than the average person. So why would you hate someone for trying to do that? That's what I'm saying. People hate Nigerians, you know. <laughs> you know what? God. People hate themselves. People just hate <laughs> they themselves. They do. I swear, to God. I swear to God. I swear to God. You're writing and, and every time you're saying something, you're saying what I want to say, all of you, because I can't stand this hating for hating's sake. If mm. Beyonce came out and showed people, like they were saying, we weren't all kinks. If she showed them in a different light, they'd be cussing her for that. She could do anything, right. and they're going to cuss her. Like you said, I don't even know that she traced her roots and that's what happened. So then, why shouldn't she represent that? I'm of Caribbean descent. Am I not allowed to look into my past and represent Af- So, Nana, when I want to wear your head wraps now, I'm not allowed to do that. You I'm absolutely a are allowed what to do it. And so are white folk, because they're all from Africa bollocks. too. What a load of shit. It just infuriates me that these people are picking on this woman. And that's why nine times out of ten, she doesn't chat when she does yeah. stuff. Because <laughs> right. people just come for her all the time. She's right. raising us up. She's uplifting. She's saying we came from kings and queens. What is wrong with that? What's wrong with that? To say that we came from kings and queens doesn't mean that we were all kings and queens. It just means that we are of power. That's what exactly. that is. Like, come exactly. on, get a grip. Get a grip. And like you said, Auntie Nana, the thing isn't even out yet and people are on yeah. it. It was a minute's clip, which was beautiful, by the way, and people are on her case. I will say this. This made me happy that I paid for Disney Plus because so far I have not <laughs> paid for Disney Plus. So I was like, yay me. So you lot that don't want to watch it, don't watch so it. Sit and get lost. You don't have to. Switch it off, innit? I mean, you guys have said most pretty much everything. I was um, gonna pull out the, I guess the, the conversation about the Carters not touring Africa, and I think that that's not reserved to Beyonce and Jay Z alone. A lot of big name artists don't tour wider Africa. There is a conversation to be had on that. I don't think it's my place to say because I've seen Beyonce and I've travelled to see Beyonce and Jay Z, so it's not my place to criticise necessarily because I'm not on the continent but I guess from the outside looking in if people in on the continent who don't have the means to travel elsewhere don't get to see them and this is not just about Beyonce it's about the whole of their favorite I say black um, musicians that they don't get to see them because they don't they have this thing about Africa maybe not going I don't know what that is whether it's infrastructure whether there's um, mm-hmm. reputational things that come into play I think that's an issue if that, I think that's an issue. And I think that's something that people have the right, even and in Caribbean, I don't know if there's countries in the Caribbean that don't get to see their favourite black yeah. artists. So that's something that is some, a conversation to be had because mm-hmm. they do tend to go to South Africa because that's reputationally the most built up <laughs> or um, developed, as they say. So there's a conversation around that to be had. Like, I don't think anyone, Beyonce or anyone, is above being taken to task for if you have the facts in place and the understanding of the whys. I agree with everything else you guys said. And it's, this, I guess this woman's coming from the fact that, look, we are regular people too. And there's a fetishization of romantic, romanticism that comes with Africa, that if you live on the continent and you don't see it that way because it's just your life. And then you have the kind of the, the yin and the yang where, you know, you, you know that Western born or the diaspora, your family on the diaspora don't necessarily rate every part of your culture. And they have this romanticized view. So then when they come, there's maybe a disappointment or, they're trying to block themselves to what the realities are. I can understand being on the continent and thinking, yeah, that's not it though. And you keep doing that. And then, but yet you have this other narrative where we're in mud huts or you don't see the normal, the normalcy of us, of an everyday African. That bit is missing from the narrative in the wider. Again, it shouldn't be leveraged that just Beyonce because actually Beyonce is doing 
a service because we have this issue, like we said, the ADOS movement that's really coming against immigrant and black people in America. Mm-hmm. We've got them rejecting this narrative. We do, we have had the legacy of Africa being portrayed as mud huts, flies and uh, famine and war and destruction and corruption. So actually bringing up that narrative and making us look beautiful and we're from the continent is a good thing because it re- it's like rebranding Africa. We've talked, I think I've had this mm-hmm. discussion before, rebranding for ourselves the negative stereotype of Africa and making it something else. So if we do start with kings and queens and elevating us, that's okay. But for me, yeah. my, my son, that's actually okay. However, I can understand if people are like, no, because then you got, there's, I don't know what the word is, disappointment is all I can think of, but whatever that feeling is that, that's not us though, we're either in today's form. So can you accept us as we are today instead of putting us on this pedestal of kings and queenship because that's not us in our everyday? So it's, it's, I kind of get that area of challenge, but it shouldn't be leveraged at Beyonce and what she's doing. As all of you lot said, take it or leave it. Don't just jump on it. Haven't seen it. I know it's going to be freaking fantastic. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait. The only thing I will keep in a little ball, she's not above criticism. And there's a conversation to be had about our black stars not touring Africa. There could be more done there. I don't know exactly why that's not happening. But I think the other thing you kind of got to look at is a lot of these countries colonise you. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that the issues in the countries were not created by us. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Or the people within the country. So you can't expect her to solve a problem that she didn't even create. There's a lot of structural issues. What I do think is that, yes, what she produces as art is going to be from her perspective. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And she's an American. So she's going to look at it from her perspective. And... I think even from a British perspective, sometimes we look at things and think, oh, they're stereotyping us. And I think that that is a fair point, that playing on stereotypes and all that kind of stuff. Yes, you do get that sometimes. But we do it to Africans and Africa do it to, exactly. to us. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Kind of think everyone stereotypes everybody. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's just like you can't really get away from that. Actually, I don't know. I, so that's an interesting thing. I do want to know why there aren't more tours. I think it's probably like an infrastructure thing, to be honest. Maybe someone hasn't figured out how to capitalise properly. And I don't think that's got anything to do with Beyonce. Cardi B was in Ghana yeah, and, and Nigeria. Um, Nigeria at December. You're seeing a lot more stars going, not just exactly. West Africa, like all over. Stormzy has his whole thing. I don't think that she should be the example to be honest, that, like why that's not happening. Not to be too morbid as well, like if this, heaven forbid this happens, but you know, if this woman passes, yeah, that's when they're going to like her, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. You should appreciate her now. Mm-hmm. Give her appreciate her roses her now. while she can like, smell them. Like um, the BET um, Awards, when she gave up the, um, she got the Humanitarian Award. Like Beyonce's been trying to say, like, I'm black, y'all. <laughs> She's just trying to talk <laughs> you. Like, I'm here for you. I'm trying to do. And what I think what she's trying to do is trying to help her immediate first and then trying to, you know, as Auntie Nanny would say, like, you know, restart consciousness. But she's only one person. And it does take all of us to kind of get into that way of thinking. It takes time. But I think I'm not really here for tearing down black women that haven't done anything wrong. Just on Facebook quickly, Nicola Millington has said that she thinks that Akon is working on creating access across a number of countries. Because I was going to say that I do think that's the problem. It's mm-hmm. accessibility and how, how they go about doing these tools. Just to come on, off of that, you know, I think most of us, 
from the diaspora that have gone to African countries, we all get the warnings. And really, when you're there, you know that it's actually a lot safer than being in London. But because racism is internalised, it's heaped on us that we're worse than. And it's heaped on Africans. And they internalise that. And then they project it out. Like, why would you come here? It boggles them that you would go there to do something it's like but why would you come here it's not safe it's dangerous you could get killed now that's having african parents and going there now if you're even further away along the line from that it would be very easy to internalize that as a culture that going to africa to tour is unsafe because you have africans on the continent telling you Mm. it's not safe for you to come here it's actually Mm. like this shift is taking place the year of return and so many yes. people from America and the diaspora going to Ghana opens it up to, you know what, what we've been fed throughout our lives is not true. And what you mm-hmm. guys are feeding us still is not true. And you live there. Like, actually, we're going to see this take place. They probably will do tours and more people will do tours. Cardi B going and nothing happened to her. That opens up more doors to be like, you know what, this is a safe place, but it's also for Africans to advocate for Africa that we have all of the world's resources. We're being pillaged, like come home. Everybody has to see how you cooperate to this structure being formed and being upheld. Again, that's collapsing and we are going to see way more shifts taking place. But it's like, let the damn thing happen. I have to mention black exploitation movies because we talk about our industries and black exploitation movies happening in the 70s was actually black movies being made. Yeah. Like that whole movement was shut down by black people and white people being like, look at this. It could have grown into something else. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it had its roots in lots of shit, but then artistry changes and it, it levels out if you allow it to breathe. And so, yeah, lots of things that Beyonce has done, it can be deemed as stereotypically, but let that artistry actually flourish to see where it goes. Like, embrace it. Instead of shutting it down so that it ends, it's like a cycle of moaning. I keep on seeing how so many people want to stay as victims. Like, you want to critique things that could actually shift to be in betterment, but you shut it down by complaining because you also are addicted to being a victim. And really, we all have to be able to spot that as it's happening and be like, let the artist be the artist, let this movement grow. And there's nothing wrong with celebrating our king and queenships. Like, actually, we have so little self-esteem as a people. Can we go to the highest and let ourselves level out? Can we actually, like, just celebrate our greatness? and then level out to our normalcy instead of trying to put ourselves down for no reason. It absolutely pisses me off, but we will get there if people learn to shut up and not be so emotional and rant all the time. Like actually just let the, let the artistry live. Um, I let it, I let it go. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I agree. And I think, I don't even think what she's doing is stereotypical. I I think, like I said, I can see where this woman is coming from because it's that element of, fantasy that it might be a version of like embarrassment as well it's kind of like yeah but we're not that and that means you have a problem with that you don't see right exactly but then that romanticism right um yeah it's it's like you can't live up to that high ideal 
also mm. having been bombarded with negative thoughts, knowing that actually you lot don't even like us, so why are you going off in this level? I don't even think what Beyonce is doing is stereotypical. It's actually quite innovative. And she's working with black creatives to bring this to light. And it's not just her and her team, it's she's working with black African, I mean, African artists exactly. to bring them to the forefront as well. Let's just see what happens. I think it's going to be brilliant. I definitely understand about the structural issues that come with touring Africa. I think there's that. I hope that there is more consideration for, and people are actually looking at it because, yes, if you're going to start embracing Africa and your heritage and really understanding and connecting, then you're going to have to go the extra one. And I don't think it's, I don't think that Beyonce not being the poster isn't an issue. I think, or she being the person to be first, that's not an issue because she's innovative. So she was the first person to go to Timbuktu and do a tour. I think that's a good thing. I just don't think it should be the weight of her responsibility. Yes. I also don't think it's wrong because she's a pioneer in so many things. So if she was the first person to do it and people will follow because she has got that leadership space, then I'm all for it. But I just don't think it should be like, you've got to do this and you've got to do it now because you're Beyonce. It's not that. So yeah. Auntie Nana, you said it. It's art. It's her artistic right to do something how she wants to. That's it. It's her vision. That's it. Okay, ladies. Now let's get information. (laughs) Hey, I'm Auntie Nana. You're listening to Your Aunties Could Never. Now it's time for aunties to fix your life with Aunties Know Best. Okay, dear aunties, my daughter is my pride and joy and the youngest of my three children. She's intelligent, academic, and has always, I've always wanted the world for her. Recently, she started to express that she would like to do hair, things like braids, extensions, etc. Normally, I would be supportive, but truth be told, she's not very good, and despite her trying very, very hard. How do I let her down? As now, she's even started to ask people that we know to do their hair, and I can see them avoiding her. What do I do? <laughs> All the parents in the room are like this. <laughs> My. How old is the child? Does it say? Yeah, it doesn't say. I would just say you've got to do an apprenticeship. There you I'm go. Le- I'm leaving it to somebody else. There you go. There I'm you sorry. go. I'm going to give them to a hairdresser to tell them. 100%. That's the way. <laughs> Maybe we should get you some lessons, you know, of how you can learn different styles and different things. Let's, let's yeah. see if you get a little Saturday job if they're of age or whatever it is go yeah. to this person and see how to practice and you know build your craft up there you go yeah because I as a hairdresser <laughs> if my <laughs> if my child was starting to do hair and she was messing it up and not doing a good job and I thought she was going to I I would be like listen you need to practice and you're not going to be charging people and getting people to pay you no it's, it's wrong it's just like those parents that know their child can't sing, but still stand with them in the rain at X Factor Q and wait for them to go and do their audition. It's not happening. Not on my watch. So I believe that I would be like, if I'm seeing faults, especially knowing the trade, I mean, anyone, anyone, you don't have to know the trade to know that this is a dodgy plat or the weave looks <laughs> like that. You need to be honest. And if you're going to really, really want to be a hairdresser and you haven't got the skills, in, like speaking from my perspective, my daughter didn't really take up the hair. She can she kind of can, but I'm very, I was very, very disappointed. But I also had a truck platin and stuff like that. So she knows the basics and I made sure that she did something. So you got, she got to learn. And yeah, exactly. Go and train because love, you're not cutting it right now. 
and you're not bringing shame on the family going to child people and people <laughs> like rah I went so and so's daughter did my hair and this is what it looks like no thank you yeah you know those this is what I paid for this yeah. is what I wanted this is what I paid for <laughs> oh mate <laughs> not my watch no thank you so this is not hard be honest with your child unless you're going to be like yeah you're shit and then not give her any support <laughs> Like, there has to be some element of nurture around it. You're not, this is not good. I think you need to train or I, or if you can do it. Yeah. I think you have to have an honest conversation. I do think that you should always play to strengths as well, <laughs> kind of thing. So give them alternative, like over index on um, praising them on the good things that they can do. You can't lie to them for sure. And you can't encourage them to do something that they're not good at. I don't think you should do that. But, like seriously, you've got to... <laughs> You've got to show them that this is what it's supposed to look like. I think you should do that as well kind of thing. I don't think it should be farmed out to another person because they need to... <laughs> what did you say? I'm farming it out. I'm farming it out. <laughs> <laughs> because they need to know that it's okay, right? It's okay not to be good at everything. It's okay um, to want to be good at something and not be good at it and be good at other stuff, right? Like, I think that is really a really important um lesson it's just like dancing right like you know <laughs> someone like me i can't do any sort of routine dance oh, whatsoever i tried really hard really really hard and you know my family told me like nah that's not it's not your skill not for you it's better they tell me <laughs> it's better they tell me then i go outside and someone i'm going to feel more shame if someone yeah. else tells me so it's better like i i prefer the the comfort of my family to kind of like let me know what's what do you know what I mean I disagree <laughs> I, I really really disagree because and this may be because I get told that I can stifle creativity so I'm trying to be better because generally mm -hmm. if somebody does something a little bit shoddy around me and then they ask for my opinion why are you ask if you ask my opinion I'm going to tell you and then they and then Generally, it's like the husband, they'll be like, but you just stifle my creativity. So I'm trying to think of not stifling creativity. So if one of my boys comes along and they're not very good at something, in my opinion, but they really, really want to do it, I think that you should then align yourself with a professional in that field and learn from them, like do an apprenticeship. So if it was hair, and I think they're not very good, and I think they may not have a talent for it but that's just my opinion they could learn under the right tutor so i would be they're like, not good if you're though. serious go and learn with that tutor and that tutor who this is what they this is their discipline they tell you because i if this is just my humble opinion that you're not good on it and i don't want to stifle a child's creativity I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be the reason why my children go to therapy. They probably will go to therapy anyway, but I really <laughs> want to be very mindful of that. Wait, no, I just want to interject, to yeah. I just want to interject because, first of all, what's to say that it has to be your humble opinion? You might know and you might have enough experience to know that it's not right. And then also as well, you encourage them to do something that you know full well they're not good at might send them to therapy because they'll just be like, how is my mum watching this? But they want to do it. And let me go there and let me spend money and time and energy on something that she knew clearly <laughs> that I wasn't, had, didn't have the skills to do. I think there's, look, look, look. See, this goes back to last week. And I, I actually, Shada, your, Auntie Shada, you're holding on to your 
same mentality. Mums know best or parents know best. Nana, you're flip-flopping because last, because, last, because, because last week you were like, no, parents know best. And Listen, I told, I told you, Nana, Listen, it's 2020. I'm trying to be a better human being because 2020 will come for your ass. I'm trying to be better. <laughs> My point is that actually, and then this is where I'm, maybe I'm flip-flopping too, because at this point it's like, no, I think you can see when something's to do with talent that you're going to charge somebody for when they're not doing like, listen, this is the weave. And it's all like, mom, look, I did the hair. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Now you could say A for effort, but you do not send them out to go and right. say, yeah, they're going to go and charge people. No, right. that means you're actually perpetuating this whole narrative. You've got hairdressers with their hair's messed up and people are coming to shut down the shop and cuss and all that type of stuff. No, 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 no. What you need to do, and it's not about, I understand, don't stifle. Because, okay, I'm in this position, it's not about, it's not, hmm. I'm in this hmm. position where some, being the platform that I run, people send me things and say, hey, can you show it on the British blacklist? Mm -hmm. And sometimes those things are not of quality or of levels. And I am in a position where it's different for me because it's like they're not my children and I don't owe them, I don't necessarily owe them anything. I created this platform to celebrate British black talent. However, I don't owe you anything. I don't actually have to. I can deal with the comebacks, but I don't have to. My child, I owe something to, to protect them from the horrors of the world. You're doing something nonsense. I'm <laughs> going to say, this is beyond, this is not like picking the wrong lamp or painting your wall pink. That's just taste and opinion. I think maybe the gray area is art. So if my daughter does a line and says, I'm going to go and sell this and I'm going to become an artist. <sighs> Boy, it actually, is, I don't know. It's, 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 a, it, it, yeah, it's a bit of a moment. <laughs> the, the case in point is hair, and food, like what baking, if, if the cake tastes like <laughs> you're just yourself. If the cake tastes like jalof, you're gonna say, oh, go on, darling. <laughs> Come somebody, on, somebody out there may like jalof cake. They might do, they might do, and go forth and make your business, but let's see what happens in it. But I just think I think as a parent, you have a responsibility to be honest with your children. Don't stifle them, and you're right in the sense that, look, love, I don't think you've got it. However, that's just what I'm saying. How about you go and train and then yeah. let a professional give you the, the grades yeah. or the, the A grade or the B grade. Yeah. But I just think things like cooking and hair can be learnt, can be taught. I just don't think you should lie and fake encourage. <laughs> don't do that. Personally, I don't really believe in fourth place trophies and things like that. Like, I'm, not, I'm yeah. not here for that at all kind of thing. Is if you're good at something and you're good at something and if you're not, that's okay. That, that's what I think is a dangerous to cultivate yeah. a culture where it's just like, oh yeah, well done for producing a shit piece of work. No, 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 yeah. not that I'm going to tell you that it's shit. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> but what, I'm, what I am going to do is say, you know what, baby, this ain't for you. Do you know what I mean? What you are really good at is this. Do that. Go 100% at this. Do you know what I mean? Or, you know, as, you know, I'm not totally against trying, but if you've tried, you need to be a time limit on your trying. Is it over a certain Whoa. amount of time? Oh, wow. And that's what you're doing. Nah, nah okay. not, not years and years and you're still mediocre. Get the hell out of here, man. No, no, no. Let it go. Let it go. All right. So watching um, Michaela Cole's programme that's on BBC iPlayer at the moment, mm -hmm. I May Destroy You, I was thinking of the, the main scenario, I guess. Well, second main. But it's the scenario of you are seeing a guy and he takes off the condom and carries on having sex with you and does bust inside you 
you don't know that he's taken the condom off. That whole thing playing out, where does that sit with you guys? How would you react to this? If a man does that to me, I'm fighting you. Not physically. I'm not having it. Because there's a difference between when you're doing something and it comes off while you're doing something rather than you're just taking, you're, you're deciding, I'm going to take it off. That's a conversation that needs to be had. You can't just be doing things like that. I don't know the last time you got tested. There's a reason why we're using a, a condom. I could get pregnant. Anything can happen. That is a conversation. If you're going to have unprotected sex with somebody, that is a conversation that needs to be had between the two of you and two of you need to consent for that. That is not okay in the slightest. Not okay. Yeah, that's stealthing. That's what's known mm. as stealthing, right? Like yeah, it's called it's, what? It's stealthing. Stealthing. Um, yeah, like and I didn't know that term until a couple of years ago. I was actually on a podcast and he was talking about it. And like it was a mixed gender podcast and the majority of the guys basically had done this. Oof, Do you know gosh, what I mean? Yeah. And it was and it was awful. It was actually kind of awful because I'm just like what the fuck (laughs) do you know what I mean it's a violation like as the female party in that situation you haven't given consent it's very simple do you know what I mean if you're deceiving someone by taking off the condom like you're doing that knowing what you're doing do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean so it's Mm -hmm. intentional it's an absolute violation we live in a society where men are not really um educated very well when it comes to like sexual etiquette let's call it that it's almost like they act like they can do whatever they want and they do (laughs) essentially otherwise things like this wouldn't happen not to think of all the diseases and everything like that but you're also deceiving me as Mm -hmm. well and having no care about it or having no um the moral compass of some men is mind-blowing to me it really is yeah, not understanding that because you've consented to sex doesn't mean that you've consented to sex in that particular way it's like the cup of tea thing like if i give you a cup of tea you don't want a cup of tea <laughs> i don't want a cup of tea anymore you don't want a cup of tea anymore if i put something in it and you don't know is that all right it's all right nothing explicit like what was shown has happened to me but kind of similar but it was the gaslighting afterwards, like, you know, where she's like, why did you do that? Why don't you say anything? And then it's kind of the thing of, oh, you're going to have the pill. Like, you've got to take the morning after pill. And that frivolously being banded about, that's when I had to take the minute out and have some meditation. Because I was like, that thing of, oh, just have the morning after pill, I think mm. is so disgusting that it's like it's okay to just do this like it doesn't affect your body it's like it's not a little thing like literally like your body physically reacts to this pill that you're having that would not have been necessary to take if you didn't do this shit to the person and I really wanted that to be shown it's not everybody that has an adverse reaction to the morning after pill but quite a sizable amount of people do feel sick afterwards and it can lay you up for a couple of days while your body is processing this extra influx of hormones that it wasn't expecting. And yeah, I wanted that to be shown just to be like, it's not a minor thing. It's not like taking a paracetamol to say to somebody, no. oh, you can get the morning after pill. It's not like just taking a pill that just washes through your body that you don't feel or makes you feel better. It doesn't, it makes you feel worse. It was just that thing that really was like, this, this is infuriating. And I don't understand why we're not teaching men really what consent is. 
like the conversation is still how women should be being safe but not on Mm -hmm. all of the different ways that you are abusing your power in this situation and yeah the fact that it's rife is like fuck really like (laughs) we have to suffer so many different ways of being abused and yeah I was really glad that this is out there anyway and have you watched the whole series uh, well, I, there's only eight episodes. I think there's no, no, one no, more. Saying, I thought, well, just to check, because he does get his comeuppance in a kind of way because yeah. also it's repetitive, repeated yeah. behaviour. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about before, about the way that a sense of entitlement that men have, and boys have, actually, that they are supposed to come, they're supposed to have sex the way they want to have sex, and a girl or a woman is supposed to just take it. And mm-hmm. like even a woman expressing pleasure or enjoying sex is labelled a hoe, and a man isn't. Yeah. It's just simple, basic things like that. And what's an upsetting slightly is that in women trying to reclaim their sexual power, some women and some girls are doing it in an aggressive and aggressive way as men. So we're adopting those kind of sexist ways of mm. just enjoying sex. Can a woman just enjoy sex without all the nastiness that comes with it? And can men really start to understand that sex isn't theirs? Isn't they don't have the domain over sex? Women enjoy sex too. And women have the right to be respected too. And also because they don't get, men don't get anything happening to them. They don't get pregnant. I mean, we get, we get a disproportionate amount of things happening to us in, in the act of sex than men do. Yes, they can get yes. stuff, but we're more susceptible to it pretty much everything when it comes to sex. And they don't feel the weak, like the male pill, I wish. I wish. I so want it to come out. I want they it to come out. They just don't want to take it though. That's the you, thing. They would you trust them responsi- though? No, they don't want to take responsibility of it. That's a question in itself actually. <laughs> would you trust a man to take the mouth? Never. <laughs> that's what Never. I was going to say. Is that would you trust a man with that? Because they're not. They just still don't feel the effects. I don't even think mentally taking it would make unless they do feel something. We know that our physically our periods stop if we, you know, we're stopping something from happening. Or they I don't know because does the pill the pill won't stop them coming. So they'll still about feel, their virility, isn't it? They they and, they have a fear of what it does to that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I'm just saying that because they don't feel a physical thing stopping them, again, taking the pill doesn't have that kind of effect that it does have on us. It's a decision. Like, I personally cannot take any type of contraception because it affects my body. It makes me continuously have time of the month. Mm -hmm. I cannot, it does not stop, it doesn't do anything. I just then turn into a walking period. I can't do. I know this is really. But that's like the morning after pill as well. I don't know where we're going. (laughs) The fact that the fact that people assume that you take the morning after pill and then everything is okay. And this, like Auntie Nana said, it not only can make you sick, it is a massive dose of hormones. If you think about the daily pill, it's like a combination of twenty-eight days of the pill in like one massive dose, effectively. And it doesn't always work. I know people that have got pregnant. They took the morning after pill let's say an hour after. So it's not even like they took it late and they got pregnant. Nothing is 100% in that circumstance. It isn't just about um, the male-female experience in that because what was also interesting was what happened to Kwame in in the thing. It's just about certain types of men not being able to understand elements of consent. And I thought that was quite interesting that they showed it from a gay man's perspective as well. Someone had a question. Nicola has asked, if you found out that your current husband or boyfriend had done it, would you dump him? In a heartbeat. For me. Um, (laughs) It's going to be husband. uh, Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, a husband. It would definitely be a one-way trip to a counsellor 
because there would be lots of things that we would need to unpack. Yeah, it would just like, you know, the foundations of trust that you have in a relationship because we would have to unpack that. We'd have to talk over things. I'd have to really see some remorse, some understanding of what went wrong with you. I'm definitely all for mercy and compassion and redemption. So I think people make mistakes and as long as they show enough really remorseful of what they've done, like I would extend mercy to that and I put it, it but, but we would have to we'd have to go through some counseling because that would be a huge red flag bigger than red I don't know it would just be a huge flag of like do I even know this person so yeah. boyfriend if it was early early days even up to five years I may be like I could relinquish this person yeah it would really depend on how how involved our lives was but I think it's definitely grounds to dump somebody definitely yeah I'd like to hope that that shit wouldn't happen to me because I'd pick my partners wisely. I'd like to hope so. But if it did, like Auntie Nana said, there's massive conversations that need to to happen there. And, you know, my mouth would be like fire the way that I'd cuss that person because it's just not acceptable. Unless, as I said earlier on, that is something that you have to consent to. It is such a deep, like sex is a deep thing anyway. But to have someone come inside of you is like even deeper it's such a a, an intimate thing and you have to have consent for somebody to do that you just can't be busting your nut where you feel like it i'm sorry yeah you can't that's a deal breaker for me it was her first it was their first time as well which made it worse yeah well then that's that means that's someone that does that on a regular yeah Yeah. i'm thinking if you're doing it to me you've either done it to me previously i've just caught you or i've just found out this time or you do it to other people as well, kind of thing. I can't trust you ever again. Like, how yeah. can I trust you? Unless I see everything all the time. And then how is that a good experience sexually anyway, yeah. kind of thing? The violations is just too high. It's too much. Yeah. It's actually a deal that, nah, I couldn't. I wouldn't be able to trust you. You're right, though. I didn't even think about it in that respect, that if you did get past it you'd, somewhere deep in you, you'd still be like, I need to check everything all the time of this person. Mm-hmm. And that's not OK. That's not no way that you want to be living, is it? Mm. It's almost like, like men need to think about it this way. What if a girl says to you, I'm on the pill and she ain't on the pill and you do that? That's how men well, need to think about it. Well, because they got a lot, lot of chat with that, that in it. No? Yeah, Enough girls do that. Enough girls do that. And that shit is not OK. But yeah. they need to think about it in that sense. But then they're responsible to be, take the pill. <laughs> you get pregnant. It's so true. Like... I mean, there's definitely a, a conversation. So what would it be? Because we have toxic masculinity. So toxic femininity. Like there's, there's a conversation with that as well. Because that, that also doesn't get spoken about. And I yeah. do think definitely with a lot of females that is on the rise. Because toxicity has toxicity so when the two poles are not getting on and don't know how to relate to each other you will have some shit being done to you as well and yeah that isn't that isn't being spoken about and I'm sure there are lots of men that are have lots of different stories that they're they're holding on to and harboring within themselves that they're not speaking about that also needs to be aired out and weeded out with the garbage as well but yeah, it's the same thing. Saying you're on the pill when you're not taking it to get pregnant is the same shit. No, yeah. it's not. Violation, man. Mm-mm. That was Auntie's No Best. If you have a dilemma, please send them to dilemmas.yourauntiescouldnever at gmail.com.
Hey, I'm Auntie Farah and you're listening to Your Aunties Could Never. And now we're about to take you guys back with Black in the Day. What was your first fight in school? I'll go quick and easy. I have never had one. Actually, I had a fake fight with a girl. It was just like so dumb and I just felt like I had to hit her and it didn't mean anything. (laughs) I actually never had a fight and I punched a boy in the face because he kicked the ball at me and that was it. But I've never had a fight, not even in life. Ever. Don't lie, man. I remember you in college. You used to run back as well, beating up on Gallim. Don't try it. Honestly, though, I've never had a fight. As you can probably imagine, I've had many fights. (laughs) Many, (laughs) many, many, many fights. I can't remember. I can't actually remember my first fight in school. I am just going to go with what the one I can remember. Okay, I'm a reformed person. I'm not this person anymore. And I went through a tough upbringing. So I was, you know, hurt people, hurt people. Is that kind of scenario, yeah? I didn't understand what I was doing, all that kind of stuff, yeah? But there was this family that lived um, near us when we lived in Wandsworth. They were actually Nigerian too, etc. And they had like the same amount of um, children that we had kind of thing. So for each one of us, there was one of them in the same year. And... um, I can't remember exactly why, but me and the girl that was in the same year, we fell out. But then my sister also fell out with the girl that was in her year. So it was like sisters against sisters. And I think the boy was trying to talk to our younger sister. And we were just like, nah, that's not going to (laughs) happen. And I just remember like seeing her walking one day and like, (laughs) My friends were just like, because we used to cuss each other and all this kind of stuff, but she had a bit of a stutter and stuff. So I guess I had a bit of an upper hand in that sense. But I, I mean, I had glasses. I was very bush looking in general. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, and like, basically I just beat her up. Like, I just, I really did. And it wasn't like, looking at that, it's a horrible thing to do. Do you know what I mean? Kind of thing. But I was just so egged on by everybody. Like, I was just like, and I was known for fighting, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, I could throw a punch and, like, very, very well. Um, when there were fights on in the school, you'd have to call me to make sure that we were going to win and all that kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> oh, you know, I was, I was that kind of girl. And I remember, like, her mum came down to the school and I felt so bad because she's an auntie, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was just like, oh, God, what have I done? And I was so scared it was going to go back to our parents as well. But it never did. But so you didn't get suspended? No. If I did, I would have caught the post anyway. Like, oh, okay. I just, yeah, yeah. They would have, <laughs> no, there's no way. I think our family still don't speak now. Like, we just oh, wow. never. Oh, wow. Yeah. Never, never resolved it. All right. So I had a lot of fights in primary school, so I won't even go into the f- primary school. I just fought <laughs> lots of boys in primary school all the time. But secondary school, it's the first time and only time I've been suspended. I fought for my best friend, Jessica. So we were in oh gosh, like year 10. And then the year 11s decided that they didn't like her. And I think it literally was because she was mixed race. And mm-hmm. the boys in the boys school, that was the equivalent to Grey Coats. One of the top boys there liked her. So mm-hmm. they would try and like bully our set. And we just wasn't, we wasn't having it. So they used to write things on lockers and they'd be like, Jessica, da, da, da. I remember they called me Dutch pot. I don't know why. Is a Dutch pot black? Mm, I never uh, really knew the correlation. It can get burnt. That's what, I, I thought yeah. it had something to do with blackness. 
but yeah so and then one day we caught one of the girls and I feel sorry for her I'm sorry if he sees this Jerusalem she was Somalian and I think they put her out there as bait because that was the height of the Somalian chat Mm -hmm. so we saw Jerusalem and then I punched her up on the bus so in retaliation for beating up Jerusalem they was like we're gonna beat you up in Victoria so there was a massive circle of girls in Victoria Station right by the bus thing. And all of us lot, we were called the Lick, went to Victoria and we were like, don't <laughs> worry, Jessica, we're going to back it. We're going to back it for you. We're going to fight. Da, da, da. And so we've gone and all of the fifth years are there and we're the fourth years. And then one of them, we call her Shambossi because she looked like a hippopotamus. She was really oh, big. Oh. So she was called, I, I still to this day, I don't really remember her name, but we called her Shambossi. So Shambossi stood in front of me and was like, what are you going to do? And I had plats and then she pulled my packs and I remembered swinging. Then I saw another one of them fly and try and get Jessica. And I was just swinging around, swinging around. And then we all got pulled apart, going to school and we get suspended. And I remember saying to my mum, like, I was defending Jessica, though. They wanted to beat her up, da, da, da. And Jess had her own little family thing. So she was actually, she would stay with us. And my mum let me off. But that was, like, the biggest fight that I had other than beating up Jerusalem and fighting the boys in primary school. Not really a fighter, but I had to back it for my best friend. So, yeah, I took one for the team with that and got suspended for three days. In primary school, like you, Auntie Nana, I used to fight boys all the time. I don't know what it was. I think, like, I had an older it, cousin. you got to do it, man. And my, <laughs> like, they used to try it, and I wasn't having it. I never, I never really got into no fights with no girls, but the boys, I remember I would pick up chairs and shit and throw it at them, and we would just, yeah, we would go. Like, I was, yeah. I was a tomboy as well when I was in primary school, so I don't know. It, it used to be on, but what I remember about fights with the boys in primary school is being able to turn my femininity on, my power <laughs> on, as soon as the teachers would come. So, like, I'd be fighting a boy, I'd be whacking him, doing whatever I want to do. And next minute, the teacher would come and I'd be like, Miss, he did it to me. <laughs> <laughs> and then the boy would get put, like, in the corner. And I remember I'd be like this. <laughs> cousins were in the school as well. And it's like, if you don't defend yourself, I'm bracking you up. That's mm. what it was kind of like in school. So I just wasn't really having it. In, in secondary school, I don't remember having no fights. I think one time we rushed this girl because she was running her mouth with another one of the girls. It's always one of those things. It wasn't like I particularly had a fight with somebody. Yeah. And then in college again, it was the same sort of, Look at me, I'm going through the years. In college again, it was the same sort of thing. Like some pets, one of us would get bullied or not bullied. One of us would get called out for a fight and then the rest of us would kind of like jump in. But primary school was more one-on-one. I'm going to fight you. Always the boys. Boys are little shits, really. They're little shits, man. I had a fight recently, though. Really? <laughs> Not a real one. Like, one guy I worked oh, with. Oh, I was about to say. He was, he was trying it with me. Yeah. And I was just like to him, he's a little old man. I love him. But I was like, don't come for me because I don't fight like a girl. Don't come for me. And he was like, oh, fire, I'm going to come for you. I was like, don't come for me because I'm telling you now, I was raised with brothers and boys. Don't come for me. And he came for me and I kicked him in the shin and I kicked him in his nuts. And I <laughs> <laughs> well, as, as a play fight? It's a play fight. Oh, what? But you kicked no. him in. The... Oh, God. He came for me. I warned him. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Like... No, you must know, people, that you can't play fight with Tara because it turns into a real thing. I, I know you can't play um, fight. Hey. No, play, no, play, no, play, 
not true. You know that your pinch is unnecessary. Then when you pinch her back, then she gets vexed. It's like, it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why I've avoided, no one came for me. No one troubled me at all. Well, we lucky, man. No, it's good. It's good to not have had a you know I mean? yeah. The only thing that I, always, I, I do regret, because I don't know my tolerance, because I have got a temper, but I think years of being, having to suppress my upset and anger in the, in the home environment meant that, I was able, I have a long rope of tolerance, but I've got a very big temper. I feel rage. I had, I felt rage and stuff like that. And I think I, when I punched the guy for kicking the ball in me and he came to me, he was a white boy and he had a big black eye um, when he came the next day and he goes, I couldn't tell my dad because it was a girl that hit me. Because <laughs> <laughs> you never had a fight? No, no I said you... that. I've never had a fight where it's fisticuffs. I oh, just, okay. Because he kicked the ball at me. <laughs> yeah. When you, when you fight somebody, it's going to be over. That's that. Yeah. You, know, you I, might I have a yeah. fuse like that. It's like I'm out of the pool. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But I think you it's don't like want to go prison, mate. That tunnel vision <laughs> stuff. Because I, I will think about, I think about the long term, so I don't. But I just think that when it comes to people, my friends and stuff like that, and my family, there's a rage that comes when people are trouble. Mm, mm. But yeah, never had to. But that was that that fight I was talking. That was the only one that I instigated. Other than that, I would run my mouth until you would hit me, because if you hit me, that gave me full license. I could yeah, do whatever yeah. I wanted then. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. But it's the sibling thing. But like, I fought with my brother, and he's six years older than me, and I really would like rage, and we and he would punch me, and I'd try and punch him back. Obviously, it's never going to be the same. But I think yeah. when you fight with your siblings. Fighting with somebody is like, I can fight you. Like, I chased him with yeah. a knife. I know I have a temper. When somebody <laughs> oh, hold on, but I'm violent. Into... <laughs> but it, gets, it takes me a lot. I mean, no, your, your, fuse is, your fuse is very short. My fuse yeah. is very long. People have to poke a lot. Like, literally, I'll go okay. and meditate first. Like, you've got to do a lot to really get me into that rage. Yeah, I'm not that person. Yeah, but <laughs> my fuse right. is very long but all i'm saying is yeah, once it's gone i could be one of those people that ends up yeah in one of my cousins bless her we, like, as a family we always say when she gets angry you could be saying to her but your your child's on fire she'd be like i don't fucking care <laughs> 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 you know who you are <laughs> like, yeah, rage, to tunnel vision. rage is something else man rage is <laughs> but i know it's your fuse is short so I'll, I'll allow yeah, you yeah. No, can I tell you something? I'm a lot calmer than I used to be. I am oh, definitely good grief. a lot calmer. Yes, she is. No, I am. Like, I might chat the chat, but I wouldn't actually, you know. No, she's a lot calmer. I'm a lot calmer. So for yeah. me, it's Auntie Sade and Auntie Farah are trouble. Like, We're not trouble. We're just... If I was a chick or trouble. a man, I'm not going to try and fight you guys because I know I'd what be What do you mean? Up. But you would be, we would be friends, so you would have nothing yeah. to worry about. That sounds like a threat in itself. That sounds like a threat. No, exactly. You, you got nothing to worry about, innit? Don't worry. I'm your witness. They're coming for you. It's okay. I've I got your back. Auntie AK, don't act like my ways don't help you out sometimes or haven't in the past. About? This is what in I'm saying, you know. Helped you out in the I'm not calling you out. I'm not saying nothing. But in the past, when? <laughs> Kind of like, you very quiet. You haven't had a fight for No, I don't mean a fight. I don't mean that. I mean, like, my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> what a situation. Like, just any situation in life. Okay, you know, looking, trying to claim, like, no, don't watch this. No, but your back. That's what I'm saying. Can create a situation and then you're the one fighting for them and you learn from this you learn from this and that's why i said the other day you don't put your hand in the fire for no one because you know 
you might be like, I'm going to do this for my bridging and this, that and the other. And then when it's your turn, they're looking like that. <laughs> I had a friend that um, we were all walking in Brixton at one point and then she decided to switch on this woman. We could see that the, the fight was, she would have not tucked her in anyway, would have been a problem. But she was one of them ones that like, why are you switching for? Because there's no need. There was no need to switch on that person. You're doing mm. the most, chill out. So all of us were like, have you, have you finished? Because <laughs> there's also those type of friends that, like just love to instigate for instigate problem. They'll be like, where are you? You don't back me. But we're like, no, you weren't backing us because actually you want to just to fight. For yeah. You want to back me. Get arrested. Those type of yeah, those type of friends. Are <laughs> yeah. Or you oh. get the other friends that run their mouth and they can't back it and then you've got to back it for exactly. them. That's right. annoying. Oh, that's that's, that's like, annoying. Oh, man. That's annoying, man. I would be a runner at this stage. <laughs> Knowing what I know, I would be one of those people that's like, nah, 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 nah and then just run off. There's no point. I think we need more people that run away. It's true. <laughs> I haven't actually thought about that. You want some of this? Today? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> In today's like, world, what would I do? We need more runners, man. Run away from a fight. Like, literally, like, somebody... Again, you know, like, guys trying to back it when they're being robbed. Throw them your thing and run. People need to know how to use their legs. Like, let, literally, like, enjoy life more. Like, it ain't always about running to the fight. That's the thing about being emotional. Sometimes, run away, regroup, think, think of a plan, strategize, yeah. do something else. Like you don't yeah. always breathe have to run as well. Your, breathe. Yeah, it. I think you de-escalate the situation. That's what I try. I, I would try and do now. Run away. Do you know what I mean, just <laughs> I don't know about run away, but I'll de-escalate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, it's, I think it's, it's just that whole thing of ego, pride, try not to look like an mm. ego for the people. And I think in school, it's a lot more pressure to come out on top and be seen as a baddest. And it's interesting because when I, that's why I think part of me is like, I wish you have that little bit of like, well, I wish people saw that in me because I get the assumption, especially with straight face, dark skin, hard face kind of. When I say I've never had a fight, people, I've had guys especially say, what, you? And I'm like, what, what, what about me makes you think that I've, I'm a fighter? Yeah. But I think it's that thing where we are expected to always rise to the challenge. And yeah. also it's a sign of respect. And I find that problematic, especially when you are of a softer nature and you're chill, people will feel that that's a weakness and take advantage. Yeah. And actually yeah. sometimes people who are more chill uh, can go the long distance because they're actually mm -hmm. got more tenacity and strength in a situation than people who are more volatile in some situations, depending on what it is. <laughs> like I said. Is no, 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 it's not. No, it's not, it's not. It's not. That's how I was like, shade. No, it's not. Let me get my umbrella. See how they're ready to fight. Always. No, I was just going to say, now in life, I believe in two things. Silent and deadly. And then also passive aggression. I was going to end on saying that, let someone trouble my child, that you'll see a different side. And so I'm not even saying mm. all of that. Because I, like I said, I've got that rage in me. But it's just interesting how humans respect people who are show strength more than, in some cases, someone who... You know what? I don't think so. I actually think the opposite. I think that, I think that expressing anger and rage is actually a taboo. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think that people actually really look down on it and they expect you to be calm and collected in unreasonable situations mm. a lot of the time. And I it's hear just what you're like, saying. well, I think that, but I think, no, in, like, I think in stature, like just in regards to even hierarchy of friendship groups or things, if you've got that thing where like, don't fuck with me, people respect you more than if you're just chill. But in that, what you're saying is absolutely mm, true. Yeah, like, we're not yeah. supposed to react. However, just in, in I just, and maybe because I'm coming from a real, 
sense place of being like the quiet, not quiet, that's a lie, but the chilled one, looking at people's hierarchy and how people respond to people. The people that are like, don't fuck with me, get that immediate respect. Whereas if you're not like that, there's a little work you have to do to gain that respect in other ways. You know, it's like, as a black female though, the anger thing, it has a journey because there would be lots of things that you would want to rage on, but you suppress the older you Mm. get. When you're younger, you can kind of free will on that for a while. Mm. But then as you get older, you know that your consequences are going to be far more weighty than somebody else who is just shouting. So you hold a lot of that in. So it definitely is. I mean, anger in adult society, it's a tool that is afforded men and white men you can rage mm-hmm. in an office and you and it would be fine if a white man like stamps a table or something anybody else does that and especially as a woman then your whole kind of stature and how you're seen really diminishes yeah. a lot once you show that you can be angry so you hold yeah. on to you suppress it so much but actually anger is a valuable tool it's a necessary emotion and you do need to let it out so it's never good for us to hold it in it's just mm. how you mm-hmm. you express it and sometimes yeah. it's like we have to suppress it because of the ramifications but you do really need to let it out somewhere else in a safe way like that's actually really important or just rage and suffer or do consequences like, or do like karen's and scream at the sky you know what i swear these women are, are crazy it's, it is a mental we will illness. have our we will have our current special unfortunately yes. I, we have to move on to the next which is hey i'm auntie shade you're listening to your aunties could never it's almost time to wrap up before we do aunties what's made you sad mad or glad sad and mad we're on a tailor's killers and still not been arrested still i'm generally quite angry today in general <laughs> anyway and i don't really know what's the, what's underneath that but i've just got a general angry vibe about me today um, <laughs> and glad uh black pound day man that was a really really good you know for our company and everything it was great to be involved it was great to even speak to swiss last week such a great initiative and helps so many people and i think it's like the start of things to come really so glad black pound day i thought was amazing just to see all the community coming together and you know just discovering the amount of black businesses that were out there and the innovation of them and just how differently everyone's approaches. It was really, for me, it was really such an eye-opener. I spent money, I saw people spending money, I saw everyone bigging up everybody else. It was just a beautiful, beautiful moment, not moment, movement, sorry. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, long may it rain. I am sad about the weather and it being so pants right now. That's about it. I'm not actually mad other than hormonally. (laughs) I'm sad about the weather as well because we had like those three days of a heat wave and then it just ended and yeah those were good moments but yeah the weather's always a little bit depressing I'm I'm not mad mad in a good way you know when you're kind of like raging with the rage that's going on so I'm kind of mad with the the purging that's going on like I'm I'm allowing myself to react to like like essence like I'm allowing myself to be like that's lifting out of order that you've got this environment and you're treating women like this like I'm I'm allowing that side of me to rage as people are purging 
So I'm mad about that. I'm mad about all the in- injustices that are coming out at this moment. And thoroughly glad and supremely grateful for Black Pound Day because that Saturday, the way my phone was pinging nonstop, I've never heard so many <laughs> rings in one Great. day. It was mm-hmm. just amazing. I was so proud that Swiss followed through. I was proud that people really championed it and were just celebrating blackness and black businesses and the, the gamut of businesses that were that are out there as well, just being tagged so much and people seeing my brand and really being like, this is a black brand, this is for us, I'm going to support you and spending mm-hmm. money is just, so I'm still riding the wave of that, though I have so much stuff to make I'm still very grateful (laughs) that I even have this problem of as soon as we finish this podcast I am going back to production and yeah no just all hell King Swiss likewise can't even argue that all hell King Swiss my sad is that I missed Fabulous versus Jadakiss Versus last night, I did not realize it was on. I haven't. I've been missing versus. It's, I like the whole element of watching it with my. Usually, watch it with the aunties and my yeah. girls on WhatsApp, and we just have all the banter and the stuff. And and cause fabulous and Jada Kiss are the epitome of hip hop at the time when I was hip hop head. It was just I'm just pissed. I've got FOMO, real big FOMO, watching it back. Um, it was great. Jada Kiss was great. He's a winner. But then also I'm a little bit sad because I'm part of the problem of supporting someone like Fab because we're talking about holding people to holding people oh, mate. To bad yes. behavior mm-hmm. and then not getting properly cancelled, not in the stupid cancel way, but in the fact that that you've done something, you've been accused of domestic violence, has it been resolved? Are, are you a reformed character? Were you taken to task properly? So I'm also sad that I'm part of the problem because I really did enjoy the verse. This is not funny, but there you go. <laughs> um, I'm also this a little bit of sad, but relief sad that um we sent ty off mm. he passed from covid we, his funeral was on friday he had a lovely send-off we those who couldn't make it couldn't go down because of the rules watched it via live stream and he got a beautiful send-off so it's sad but yet yeah, a relief in sadness i'm mad about the government and the media playing games with us because you when we were on lockdown you got daily updates about the numbers, how, how much they're mm-hmm. increasing, how many deaths, how many, you know, we were bombarded with that, obviously, to keep us in and manipulate us to stay in. Now that they want us to go back and everything's, lockdown's lifting, you cannot find a concise update. You've got so many remix versions, versions and on um, social media where, you know, my usual first source is to pick up my phone and go to Twitter. I used to have daily updates, clearly. The only thing I'm getting, I'm seeing are the updates in America in the UK, it's very, very buried. You have to really search and then you can't even verify the fact because it's kind of like an opinion piece on whether the stats are rising or not. I feel very uncomfortable with what's going on and I don't want to be walking in fear as the world returns to normal. However, I am conscious of this second wave. I don't understand how it's all going to happen and what's going to happen in the next month or two. And I just really, I'm really mad that we can't trust our media or government to tell us the truth right now. And I'm glad I couldn't talk about it last week, but last week I had an interview set up with the wonderful actor Delroy Lindo. And in my distraction, because he asked me a question I wasn't expecting, and we went off on a tangent, I didn't press record on the interview. So my interview, (laughs) Delroy, great actor legend, Lindo. Um, It was an interview about his role in The Five Bloods that's on uh, Netflix right now. It didn't record. It was like one of those moments where afterwards I went to press stop 
and then I realized that, oh my God, oh my God. and all I had was a screen grab. And I was like, literally that feeling of butterflies and sickness and pain and sorrow and anger at the world. <laughs> but I'm glad because in our, we had a beautiful conversation. And in that I managed to tell him, like we emailed and I said, look, I regretfully, I didn't even press record. And then the PR were like, look, we'll see what we can do. And I had the interview yesterday and I pressed record. So that interview will be coming out at the end of the week. So I'm oh. also glad that that was, that salute, that thing <laughs> But it's just the fact that. Oh my God. <laughs> and that's it. Do hit us up on Instagram and let us know what's made you sad, mad and glad. If you want to follow the aunties, here's how you can. You can follow me, Auntie AK, on all social media platforms at The British Blacklist. You can follow me, Auntie Nana, on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest and Twitter at Love Yaya. You can follow me, Auntie Shade, at Shade Salami on all platforms. And you can follow me, Auntie Farah, on Instagram at FarOutProductions77. And that's our show. You've been listening to Your Aunties Could Never podcast, hosted by The British Blacklist. Please listen to us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify and other listening platforms. We're also on Facebook and Instagram as Your Aunties Could Never. Please don't forget to like, comment and subscribe. See you later. <laughs>